Welcome to the Rising Hole podcast. I'm your host, Prim Ormanovich. Rising Hole is all about getting out of diet culture and back in your body. Learn to listen to your body so you can live your most powerful life. When we believe we are already whole, complete, and perfect, the possibilities for freedom are endless. Hi friends, welcome back to the Rising Hole podcast. I'm Prim, and today I speak with Lindley Ashline, who is a fat activist and body positive photographer. And we have such a good conversation. We talk about the Western beauty ideal and we talk about the profit and capitalism that is involved in this ideal. And we talk about her work as a photographer. She photographs individuals um, to help them feel more liberated and in their bodies. And she also takes stock photography to help represent a wider uh, representation of bodies for people um, like me who want to use them. So I actually have one of her photos on my website um, that's been there since I launched it. And uh, it's because it's so important for me to represent, or to me, to me and for me, (laughs) to represent bodies of all kinds doing the things that I want to offer because I don't offer what I have (laughs) to offer for only one kind of body. It's really for everyone. And um, not everyone's going to feel like it's for everyone if they don't see them. Hi, Sagey. If they don't see themselves in a space, they won't feel like that space is for them. So we get into that with her today. And I won't blab too much here. um, But I just want to say thank you for listening. And Also, if you could please go to iTunes and leave a rating and or review. Um, And then also we are found on (laughs) Google Podcasts and Spotify, Stitcher, all of it. Um, I made extra sure this time. But if you leave a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, I guess is what it is now, it's really helpful to me because I had to relaunch the whole show. And so all of the reviews and ratings from the old show are no longer there so if you could please do that just to bring up our um uh exposure that would be super helpful to me lastly i will say that this was recorded late in the evening after a long day of being on zoom for my class all day um and it's not my most graceful of interviews i am very giggly and nervous and i stumble over my words a lot Uh, We also had a few tech issues, so there might just be some inconsistency in the episode. So I just wanted to put that out there right out of the gates. But it's important to me to be just real and authentic in myself. So anyway, let's hear from Lindley. Hi, Lindley. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks so much for being with me tonight. Um, let's just go ahead and get started and tell the listeners a little bit or a lot of bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, what I do is really multifaceted. So I, I could asking me to tell Love a it. lot, it might be a little bit of a, a dangerous question. Uh, but my name is Lindley Ashline and I am a body positive and fat positive photographer, writer, and entrepreneur. I live outside Seattle, Washington, and I'll be 40 tomorrow. So that's kind of a big milestone. Oh, for me. exciting. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like, woo, I made it to 40. <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> Cancer <laughs> season. Yeah. Yeah. I you know. And, and just the, 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 the 40th birthday thing is just, I mean, um, as a, a person who has a very deep body positive and, and fat positive and 
photographic background. Like I'm really mm -hmm. into bodies just as physical objects. And uh, we don't hear enough about aging or see enough about aging. So yeah. experiencing, experiencing these stages myself is really cool and being able to think more deeply about them and talk more deeply about them. But, but also as I, you know, come up on this milestone birthday, it's been really cool because I feel like I'm shedding a lot of, a lot of BS out of my life. Mm. <laughs> so, so it's just, it's really kind of top of mind for me right now is like, I'm 40 years old. I don't have to deal with this anymore. This being, I don't know, some social expectation or right. Literally a relationship anything. that's been hard or whatever. Um, yeah. It's, it's almost a little bit of permission. Like I'm 40 years old. I don't have to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so as you just heard, I'll be 40 tomorrow. Um, I live in a body that is white, cisgendered, fat, um, and uh, straight. And I have quite a few personal privileges, but I come from a blue collar background. And that informs a lot of what the way I talk about things and think about things. I like to keep things very um, as accessible as possible financially and um, language wise. My writing tends to be very uh, simple in the language that I choose to make it the most accessible to people. Um, mm. I spend my days, uh, not as much right now because as we're taping this, <laughs> we are in the midst of the COVID-19 yep. pandemic. And, uh, and so right now I'm not doing any in-person photography at all. Uh, which has been uh, kind of difficult because I've really, really missed that connection with people. Um, and that um, to, to, to be a little full of myself, when you're used to changing people's lives several times a month, <laughs> you know, um, not having that outlet. Um, and, and, and I'm laughing as I say this because it sounds very conceited, but it's also true. Um, mm -hmm. It's such a blessing to be able to do that. But, but it's, I'm really missing that outlet right now. But normally I'm doing both client photography, you know, which is where people, people come in and they do portrait sessions or boudoir sessions, or they have photographs taken for their business um, or their, the, the products that they create. Uh, those are all under client photography. And then I also do stock photography. And that is uh, photographs that people use for their business. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you go online and you look at, I don't know, any given uh, maybe a health and every size therapist and you go to their website and there's a beautiful photo of a plate of food or someone running on a, on a jogging path or, you know, any given photo you see, uh, if it's professional quality, it's probably not one they took themselves because most businesses don't have the money to, <laughs> to do their own photo shoots. Mm -hmm. So they buy stock photos. And so, so media and the internet kind of run on these stock photos, uh, but they're not very, the ones that, are out there aren't very diverse and so my mission has been to increase the the diversity in that primarily in body size because mm -hmm. i focus on fat and plus size bodies um, but also i try to get as many folks of color and and so on in in the photos that i can since the pandemic i've also really been doing really expanding my business in the writing direction uh, because that's my corporate background so uh so i've been picking up a lot of writing business lately and, and so you can see that I have all these different, <laughs> these different things that I do. And it's a lot of fun to be able to do all these different things. Yeah, I can uh, super relate. <laughs> I was trying to think of a better way to say super relate. I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can super relate to the like, to all when you said it's multi, did you say it's multifaceted in the beginning? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. 
I like I relate to that so much because I I do this health at every size and uh, body positive work, and then I also teach yoga, and so it's kind of like and I, and I'm a writer and I'm working on a book of poetry right now actually, and it's I've always just had my hand in so many different buckets, and it's interesting to see like I just interviewed um, someone that is an eating disorder dietitian and she's a web designer and it's just amazing to see how and it like works so well and it's just so cool to see how people like weave these things together and how um these seemingly uh unrelated things can really like come full circle and be like integrated into you know a whole person and profession and uh i don't know it's just i that's why i love having these interviews and talking to people from so many different backgrounds and you're the first photographer I've interviewed, I think. So, um, yeah, super cool. When you are grounded or you have a foundation or roots in a specific framework or belief system mm-hmm. or, or I don't know, code of ethics, um, if you've got that, then, then everything that you do is kind of branches out of that. For right. a really long time, I actually had like three different business brands that I was maintaining and that became a whole saga. I was, I kind of worked myself into the ground and had uh, this massive piece of burnout. And so I spent the past couple of years kind of recovering from that. And part of recovering from that was consolidating because I, I had split myself out into, you know, well, I have the client photography. Well, when I started doing stock photography, I just assumed that anybody who was interested in one wasn't going to be interested in the other. So, mm. well, I have to, you know, then clearly I have to create a whole separate brand. Then I started to run a subscription box. Uh, which has since been retired, but, but there's, um, I still run the body love shop um, that, that came out of that, although I'm no longer doing the monthly subscriptions, but, but then suddenly I felt like I had to have a third brand and then nobody could keep up with everything I was doing because it was all separated. <laughs> so I created a fourth brand for like the people who wanted to keep up with everything I was doing. And it was, it mm. was, oh, it was so ridiculous. And, and so it, but they were all rooted in the same the same code of ethics, the same framework, right. the same unshakable belief in the beauty and worth of every human body. Um, and for me, having that many branches on my tree was too much. And I had to sort of, I don't know, my metaphor's not holding up here. I sort of had to tie a rope around all the branches and <laughs> pull them back <laughs> into the trunk. <laughs> but, and so now, now when you find my online presence, uh, you find everything that I'm doing. You find all the branches because that was what I had to do for my own <laughs> sanity. Um, yeah. But but it's all these branches that came out of these same roots because of this one core belief. Yes, I I have the exact same experience. I had this podcast. It was uh, originally called The Way You Are Project, and I think it's still living on there somewhere. But um. I had that and I was also writing a blog on there and I've, I've always had a blog on and off different titles and such. Um, and then I became a registered yoga teacher and I wanted to be able to teach yoga in an intuitive way and in an inclusive and body positive and body inclusive way. And actually the pandemic has been very interesting in that manner that it's been able to, uh, mo- the only way people are teaching yoga really is online. So uh, it's, you know, given me a new, so I, I created Rising Whole as like a way to tie all of those things that I'm interested in, the podcast, teaching, um, any kind of workshops in the future, like the blog, all of that into one place. So I totally, because before it was like, all over. It was like, I had four different Instagram accounts. I had, and I also like had a hobby of like, um, 
nature dyeing like silks and linen and uh, I don't know, just and selling, trying to sell that. So I was just all over the place and I was like, I need to do this like branding thing and tie it all in. So um, it does make it so much easier when you have one place where everything lives and you have the same, I find it helpful that I have the same values and all the work that I do because it's mm -hmm. so easy to blend it all together, you know, because at the end of the day, like I'm here for all people of all body sizes, genders, uh, ethnicities, races, on and on and on. And that is my goal to, you know, have a place that their voices can be heard and uh, can be, their needs can be met. Um, so that's really interesting that that was your experience too. Um, yeah, and over time, like each one of those sort of rejoinings has been a big process. And so there are still <laughs> remnants yeah. of those things all over. And, and <laughs> you know, the subscription box that I was doing, I did, I did a ton of podcasts where I mentioned that. And I did a, you know, a, a ton of, like there, people reviewed those and those still link to the old site. Mm. And, and so, so all those things live out there. And, you know, I, I had a previous name for the stock photography business. I had a previous name for my client photography business. And so all those things kind of still live out there. But, but my goal has been to make sure that at least they, those, those domains lead back to me so that people, people say who are hunting for the subscription box or the stock photos can be, oh, here's this old name. And then when they follow it, it comes back to me and, oh, okay. You know, she's got everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that at least there's some sort of logical, logical yeah. path. So how did you, how and when did you get into photography? Well, I have been doing uh, nature photography for a really long time. I've been doing it well, in some form or other since I was about five, but, but not with any sort of intention until about the year 2000, 2001. Um, and at that point I was in college and I was, I love telling the story just because anybody, anybody who's younger than me, it just makes them boggle. Um, my first digital camera, I never, I used, um, as a kid, I would use like the little disposable film cameras, but I never had like a real film camera. So I came in, I was just the right age to come in at the beginning of digital photography. Mm. And, and uh, so my first, the, or the first camera that I used for any length of time intentionally um, was one that I had borrowed from my college because of course they were very, very expensive. And this digital camera literally took a three and a half inch floppy disk that you inserted into the camera itself. This thing weighed a ton, it was huge. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine that. And of course, it only held like, I don't know what, 10 or 20 photos on a floppy disk. But but I still have some of those photos. And, you know, I mean, they're not very good because I was just getting started. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, it's really cool to look back and go, this came off of a, off of a floppy disk. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I've been doing nature photography for a really, really long time. And just entirely self-taught. Just, you know, let's see what happens if we do this. Let's see what happens if we do this. And, uh, and I, I think I've taken one or two foot, like in-person photography classes over time. Uh, and then when I got serious about doing portrait photography, I took some online courses for that. Um, so I don't have a degree or anything, but, uh, but most of it is just learning over time. So in about, in 2014, uh, my husband and I moved from Virginia to Washington State. And it was a move that we really wanted to make, but neither of us had a job that would let us, you know, that, that we could take with us. So I decided I had been in some kind of crappy office jobs in my corporate life. And, and, you know, I was like, it's time to find my dream job. 
where am I going to go? And it didn't even, I wasn't even considering starting my own business at that point. Um, but you know, I was going to find the perfect office job, preferably one that would let me work remotely uh, for some health reasons. And, and I, you know, vetted a ton of different jobs. I did a bunch of interviews and I found what I thought was going to be the one, the job where I was going to stay for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I stayed for two years. I was miserable. I cried all the time. Oh, no. It was incredibly dysfunctional. I know. And it was, I, you know, I, I had thought I had found the one and it was, it was very, it was, it was abusive, plain and simple. And, and, uh, was it remote I, or was it in person in Washington? Um, the, the office that I was working in was based out of uh, a local, one of our local suburbs here. Um, and so occasionally I would go meet people in person to have a meeting, but it was primarily remote. Um, and and the remote format worked really well for me, uh, because I'm, I'm very self-motivated. So, so that also meant that transitioning to running my own business was pretty natural in, in my work style. Cause it just meant that I sat down at my computer and did my, and do my own work as opposed to somebody else's work. But the, you know, I just threw my hands up one day and said, I'm done, I'm done. What, you know, what if I took this hobby that I'm very passionate about and made it a business? And this is normally in small business stories. <laughs> normally, the, the, this is normally the inspirational part where you, where you get, oh, um, you know, I left my corporate job to run my own business. And within mm-hmm. two years, I was making $500,000 a year. You, you know that, that story, <laughs> yeah. you know, the one that like, like, I don't know, um, because I'm an entrepreneur, I get Facebook ads mm. to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> and, and there's always these success stories that are like really out there. Mm-hmm. And that is not what has happened for me. I love what I do. Um, but I'm always very clear when I speak about what I do that, uh, that I primarily survive financially on privilege. My husband supports us. Um, and, I, and I'm so grateful for that privilege, but we don't often hear about, you know, where entrepreneurs are actually being supported. Mm. All, we, all we hear is that, you know, the wild success story because somebody wants to sell us something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm yeah. always really clear about that. Um, and, you know, my business is growing. It, it is, you know, it will make it. It's just, you know, it, it grows very slowly. And part of the reason that it grows slowly is because when you live in a body that is marginalized, um, I live in a a very fat body. um, And when you are serving people who are marginalized, um, it is more challenging than if I were, if my target market were people who wanted, you know, people in very thin bodies who wanted to look even thinner, um, which is tends to be where your average photographer is living as far as their audience and their methods. And my work is totally different. Uh, and that kind of means that you have to be ready to confront that. Um, the people who come to me for photography are primarily people who are pretty comfortable in their bodies already, or they're ready for that. Mm. They're, they're, they're ready to do that work because I don't Photoshop people to look thinner. I don't change your body. Um, I'll like, I'll remove acne <laughs> because nobody wants to look at, giant, at a giant zit on the, the tip of their nose. And I don't want <laughs> that to be what's distracting them from seeing the rest of their body. Mm-hmm. Um, and also particularly with boudoir, almost everybody gets bright red ears. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so true. That is so <laughs> my experience. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My ears are actually like really hot and red right now. That's <laughs> Everybody who listens to this is going to immediately feel their ears. Again. Yeah. My ears red right now. Um, or, or like a lot of people like their, the top of their chest will flush yeah. and that stuff I'll tone down because, because those are very temporary things that, you know, that aren't, 
part of the day-to-day forms of our bodies. Mm. And so, because that's, that's, what's really important. And so my job and, and not everybody who comes to me is like, Oh, I'm beautiful. And I want to capture that. Right. So that's my job is because you don't have to think you're beautiful. That's my job. <laughs> and so my job is to take photos that capture in a beautiful form you know, the way I think your body is beautiful so that you can start learning to see that or, or continue to see that. And, and it's just such a cool, it's such a cool thing. Sometimes it's transformative for people. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's something they really struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and sometimes people end up using it kind of as exposure therapy. Like, the, like they'll literally keep the photos up in a browser tab or keep their album that they buy nearby. And they'll look at it just for a few minutes a day until after three or four weeks, they can really actually take in the whole picture. And it's, it's just such a cool, no, no matter what stage somebody is in, it's just such a cool thing to be a part of and to facilitate. Yeah. I was interested whenever you said earlier that, um, and I'm, I had an inkling, but I wanted to hear it from you more clearly. But when you said that um, you miss changing people's lives several times a month, I wanted to get like more of a, an insight into like what that really looks like for people, because I can only imagine like how, um, how powerful and transformative that this can be whenever someone, like like anyone is given the space to feel positively about their body. Like nonetheless, someone that is extremely marginalized in day-to-day society. And um, yeah, so I would just love to hear like, how like what your clients experiences are or what things you've heard or witnessed or um yeah if that makes sense (laughs) yeah it does it does and you know like I said a lot of the folks who come to me are further along in in their journey of of meeting themselves and their bodies where they are um than the general public might be um so I I it tends to be sort of an incremental thing um but when I'm photographing, I build in actually quite a bit of time for coaching. Um, and that's, it's not like a formal, it's not like a formal coaching program with capital letters or anything. Um, but I provide a ton of information before anybody even steps in my door um, about here's exactly what you can expect. Because the more relaxed somebody is when they walk in the door, the more we can, we can do that work together. And the more, the more they'll like the final images. <laughs> because if you are uncomfortable in a photo, Anybody who looks at that photo, especially you, can tell. Oh my God, that's so true. Yeah, I've seen so many pictures where like I look awkward. I knew I felt awkward. It just, it looks awful. <laughs> well, and there, there's this whole component of, of modern photography too that is focused on women looking uncomfortable. Mm. Um, if you look at fashion photography and glamour photography, there's a lot of like, broken doll posing and dead eyes. And I mean, look at any fashion magazine (laughs) and you're going to see like dead eyes and like people slumped over and looking really broken and and uncomfortable or dead. Um, And I just totally reject that (laughs) because, because, you know, my job isn't to make you conform to some bizarre sexist standard of, you know, I, I mean, I have not done, I haven't done a lot of deep thinking around this, so I don't have any like major insights to share around why that posing is so popular in certain photography fields. But the fact that it is says that we as a culture are getting something out of that. 
And the fact that we as a culture are getting something out of women looking broken and dead is really disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. So, so I just totally reject that. Um, so I don't do, I do, uh, I do pose people, um, particularly in boudoir because boudoir is very um, structured. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't pose you, you're not going to get the boudoir look and feel. Um, so, so particularly with that, I do pose. Um, I also do a lot of um, uh, activities with people, particularly with portraits, particularly when we're outdoors. I might have you blow bubbles or, uh, or I don't know, uh, run towards me or dance um, or twirl around or, uh, or say something really ridiculous to make you laugh at me. And then, and then like, then we'll do it until I actually get a really fantastic shot of you laughing. Um, because I'm a lot more interested in your body interacting with its environment than I am in posing everybody the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so what that means is to come back to the session experience is you're getting a ton of information beforehand because I don't want anybody being more anxious than necessary. Like, when you're in front of a camera, you're probably going to be a little jittery and that's totally fine. Um, but I give you a ton of information beforehand. When you come in, we sit down and talk and we chat until you're comfortable. And then um, I don't tell people this when they're at a session, so, but it's not really a secret. <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't want people to think that I'm not going to use any of their photos from this, the, the beginning of the session. But usually the first 10 to 15 minutes of a session are, are throwaway shots. Mm. The entire point, and, unless we're on a really tight timeline. Um, the whole point is to get you comfortable enough in front of the camera that you're actually relaxed and having fun or that you're feeling if, if it's a boudoir session, like, it, you know, I want you, I want you feeling sexy and loved and, you know, ready to put yourself out there yeah. uh, and just having the camera clicking gets you used to it. And so that doesn't mean that I never use photos from the first part of the session, but they don't tend to be as good as the later ones. Right. So I just set aside that time for you know, here's your exposure therapy in the moment. <laughs> yeah. It's a warm up. <laughs> yeah. And we, we sit down at the beginning of, of almost every session, unless this is somebody that I, that I know is like way, you know, somebody, unless it's somebody that I know doesn't need it. Uh, like it may be somebody I know personally, we always sit down and we have 60 seconds where they just brain dump every insecurity they're feeling right then, everything they hate about their body, all the negative stuff, just get it out, rant however you want. And then it's out. And then we don't think about it for the rest of the session. Wow. Like, I because, like if I, if, because if you have in your head the whole time, oh no, my ears are weird. And my ears are weird in every photo or my stomach or whatever, you know, whatever your personal thing is. Mm-hmm. If you have that in your head the whole session, when you look back at those photos, that's the only thing you're going to see is your underarms or your belly or your ears. And, and so that's one way that I can help you prepare to see your photos before you, before they're even taken. So overall, the whole thing is designed to be care for you through the whole experience, not, you know, you don't walk in cold. You've always get information from me first. You always feel supported through the whole session. I tell people, you know, you have control in that session. I know that since I'm holding the camera, I'm in a power position. Um, but ultimately you're the one who has to look at the photos. So if you're overwhelmed and you need me just to not point the camera at you for a few minutes, cool. Just let me know. And I will happily do that. If you're uncomfortable in a pose like physically and you need to to move, you know, just move. You're not going to offend me. And then when you, uh, when you get your finished photos, unless it's, uh, unless it's someone who doesn't live locally, I actually have them come back in in person and we go through the photos together so that you're not 
you know, if you're insecure about your body anyway, which almost everybody is, you're never faced with, oh God, I have to open this gallery link online and I have to look at all these photos by myself. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you're never, you're never alone. You're never unsupported through the whole thing. And sometimes people come back to me, you know, a, a week or a month later and they let me know, you know, here's the differences that's made in my life. Here's, you know, this was transformative or, or I had a really hard time with these, but I'm learning to love them or, or whatever. Most of the time I don't necessarily hear that because they're processing with a friend or with their family or their significant other. Um, but when I do, it's really, it's really special to be a part of that afterward too. Yeah. That's amazing that you're so focused on the human and their experience and the care from the beginning throughout the whole session, rather than just the finished product of the photo. And it's just not something that, well, it's definitely not something that we see in like mass media or anything, but I feel like even just in the past, some, you know, of the photographers that I've worked with or have seen, it doesn't it's not always that way. Well, the image is important too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, but like, like if we're not producing, you know, beautiful images, then, then I'm not, that I'm falling down on part of my job too. And a very important part, but, but this is exactly, it comes exactly back to what we talked about, about the roots and the tree and the metaphor, because, because the photography, when I, when I started doing that in 2015, when I said, I'm, I'm done here, you know, I, I'm going to have to find, I'm going to have to find something I really love doing. And, and I started training to, to take photographs of people instead of trees and flowers, which I still do because I love trees and flowers. But when I started doing this, it came out of that foundation because I had already been a member of the fat acceptance community for about, I don't know, eight or nine years at that point. Um, and, and, you know, member of the, the body positive community and, and was already doing these things and believing these things. So the whole thing came out of that. And and it kind of structured itself because I thought, okay, how would I want to be treated? Right. How would, what, what would be useful for me beforehand? What would be useful for me afterward? And, and those two things combined, it, it really just kind of structured itself. Um, I think it was on your website. And if it's not, I apologize, but I saw, I think it was, so I could, I can swear. <laughs> I saw this video of like how, what I'm just going to admit full ignorance here. Okay. I did not realize how much photos get edited. Like, I think that is totally new information for me and I'm embarrassed to admit that, but it is, I just watched a YouTube video. I think you shared it on your website or your blog or something. I think I was Mm -hmm. like on a rabbit hole of your website and it was like showing how, like really what you can do when you're editing a photo of a body. And it just like blew my ever living mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's really most of what we see, and I, I rant about this all the time. So if you do go to my blog at bodyliberationphotos.com, you will see that you will see this. Um, the video that you probably saw was one where, um, and I didn't create this video. I, I just took it from YouTube and embedded it, but they took a model who is a, a young woman, um, a young blonde white woman, but who yes. is not someone, you know, kind of just an average person. Like she's, she's, thin, she's pretty, but she's not, not, doesn't look anything at all like the end result of the video. Mm-hmm. And, and then they pose her in a certain way in a, phot- a photography studio. They pose her a certain way and they, they light her a certain way. And then they do her, um, they, while she's already posing, they do her makeup and then her hair so that you can see the whole transformation in place. 
and and then then they photograph her and then they photoshop it and and the person who is represented at the end is just 100% different like if you saw that person on the the actual woman in the photo if you saw her on the street you wouldn't know bizarre it was yeah. just bizarre and that is that's normal that's normal um i didn't even realize how pervasive that is until I started training in photography, you know, in portrait and boudoir photography. And uh, as far as mainstream photography goes, um, the expectation is that you as a photographer will become a Photoshop expert. Um, and so part, you know, any photography course that you take uh, will include retouching of that kind. And I just decided I wasn't gonna. <laughs> I said, I'm not, I, I don't want to, and I'm not gonna, um, because if I don't learn, I can never be tempted. And so I'm actually not very good with, with Photoshop. Um, I very rarely use it. I use, I use Lightroom for my photo editing, if anyone's curious, but I don't do, I, I don't have the skill set. Um, and that was very deliberate because I would rather, I would re just rather not ever be tempted to, to turn someone into someone they're not. And with mainstream photography, the expectation of most clients when they come in is that they're going to be transformed that way. And so I have to be really, really, really clear in all my materials uh, that I don't operate that way because people will, otherwise people will assume that I do. And I've had a couple of clients where they didn't understand what they were getting into very early on before I really had my website the way I wanted it. Uh, and they weren't happy with the final result because they thought I was gonna Photoshop out their fat rolls. They thought I was going to turn them into a totally different body and because that is the mainstream experience. Right. Um, that is normal. And so you have to understand any photo of a person that you see online or in a magazine or I don't know, a billboard, whatever. Um, I was going to say, especially only if it's professionally taken, but especially if it's professionally taken. Um, but influencers on Instagram count too those photos have been filtered and edited and retouched and their skin has been changed and their eye shape has been changed. And like you can, you can change people's smile so that it's more of a quote, perfect unquote smile. You can change their eye shape to look more Western. You can, you know, you can do all sorts of things. And the thing is that those are really cool artistic tools. But those tools only ever get used to make people comply with white Western impossible standards of beauty. It yeah. never goes the other way. Like the only way you ever see people Photoshop to look fatter is in a, in a fetish context, <laughs> you know, or, or like mm -hmm. trolling. So, you know, we never see artists who, who say, Oh, well, you know, I just feel like the standard of beauty is this different thing. Um, you know, it's always, um, okay, yeah, there are some outliers, but it's almost always to make people more thin, more white, their eyes bigger, um, their skin smoother, their nose smaller, their ears smaller, their fingers more dainty, um, their, their fat rolls disappear, their, their I don't know, their, um, I've lost the word, but the, the, the bones around your neck um, to make people stand out more. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And so, or, you know, and to give people more hair. And every single one of these is this white, Western, cisgender standard of beauty. Mm -hmm. And as long as those tools are only being used one way, 
you can't see me, but I'm making great big thumbs down motions. Um, <laughs> and like, I'm not sure how to come across on your audio or I would blow a giant raspberry, raspberry into the <laughs> audio. It's not okay. And so there's a growing breed of photographers who just offer something different. Yeah. I'm like ferociously nodding my head. Sometimes I forget that I record these with the video off so that my internet's more compliant. Um, but I just sit over here and like ferociously nod the whole time. <laughs> I always feel so silly. So I'm like, oh, oh yeah, and I really, me. The, point, the point that I was actually trying to make, I, I got off into my rant and, and missed my point. So, but my point is that everything you see has been altered. Mm-hmm. Everything. And, and the better, the more tools we have to do this and the better people get at it, the more it's indistinguishable from reality. Um, like a lot of cover photos that you see on magazines, there, there's, I, there's multiple people involved or it's the same person who's been photographed four times in different poses and body parts have been yanked from the various poses. Um, and that's also how you get Photoshop fails where somebody has like four arms <laughs> by wow. accident. Um, that's also where those come from. Uh, but, and some of those are really funny. But if you ever want to laugh, look up Photoshop fail. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, everything that you see has been altered. There, there's like, you know how they say, uh, they say that a movie is based on a true story and it has basically nothing to do with the actual yeah. story. That's what we're seeing. It's like based on a true body. <laughs> Somewhere, so, you know, at some point in history, there was a person that, who posed for a photo. But that person is so far removed from what you're seeing that we cannot possibly meet you standards of beauty so we might as well learn to celebrate what we've got because we're just we're human and we have human bodies and those bodies have wrinkles and freckles and fat rolls and knee dimples and I love knee dimples knee dimples and and you know the the, these bodies get broken and scarred and accumulate life experience and those stories get told in our bodies and the 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 bodies that we see on Instagram and on Twitter and on in vogue, those bodies don't have any stories because they've been removed. Hmm. And when you see bodies with no stories, what are you supposed to build on that? Except, oh, I shouldn't have any stories either. That's really crappy. Have your freaking stories. Let those (laughs) stories be showing your body because that's what happens when you're human. You said it so perfectly when you said we'll never meet the, that beauty standard. So we might as well celebrate what we got. Freaking amen hallelujah I could just like louder for the people in the back like I that's just all of it at the same time could be I could be every internet meme right now um and I want to say I want to say too right quick that that you don't all you also don't you're not morally obligated to celebrate the body you have right as long as you're as you know because body love and body positivity and body sickness can get turned into yet another stick to whack people primarily women over the head with right and I don't ever want to be out here going, you should love your body because not everybody is going to be able to achieve that. You know, I have a chronic, I have a two chronic illnesses and like those chronic illnesses occasionally make my life difficult and I'm not ever going to be like, I love my chronic illness. Right. (laughs) You know, like I may, I may, I may make peace with that. I may make peace with the ways that my particular body doesn't function very well, but I'm not ever going to love that. And that's okay. And I would be really ticked off if somebody were out there making me feel guilty because, because I'm not ever going to achieve that. You know, if you can even achieve some measure of peace, if you can find neutrality, that's really valuable too. So, you know, if, if you can celebrate what you've got, cool, do that. But you don't, you don't have to. 
I use the word body positivity because people are so familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And when I say body positivity, I really mean so much else. It's like not really what other people think of as body positivity. And I actually just kind of use it as like a bridge to get to what I mean when I say body positivity. And I agree that I don't think that it's my goal to try to get anyone or to try to get everyone to love their body or that I think everyone should love their body. I just don't, I just know that it's not productive to hate our bodies and also to hate our bodies in the context of in the in the context of comparing our bodies to this unrealistic impossible western white cis standard that you know that we just mentioned um and that affects you know everyone and it's just it's so bizarre i bring up the photo editing thing because i I I really just cannot get over how blown away I was by that when I like I knew that was a thing but then when I saw how drastic it was and how she really just doesn't look anything like she did in the beginning I was like holy shit like I really get it now that like I can't believe anything that I see like I have to second guess everything that I see out there that people are publishing and putting out as like this kind of whatever people are trying to present as the ideal like it's completely constructed yeah yeah well and the thing the thing is part of the reason i get really passionate about this is that the thing is that there are people who are profiting from this mm-hmm. um and i'm not talking about you know my random photographer competitor down the road who's 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 photoshopping people um i mean we're all part of that system and the fact that i'm removing acne is you know, i mean a tiny 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 little bit part of that system too don't get me wrong you know nobody is nobody's perfect but there are companies and whole, you know, whole populations of people who are profiting from this. Um, and by that, I mean, every beauty company CEO, I mean, you know, every high powered, um, you know, fashion designer who is setting these standards, every person who is, uh, every, to be honest, every person who's out there teaching photographers how to Photoshop out bad rolls um, to a lesser extent. But, but the point is that there are a lot of, of people who are already very rich and powerful who are profiting from us hating our bodies. Right. Um, the entire diet industry, uh, which is like right now in the US, it's worth like 60 or $80 billion yep. a year. Mm-hmm. The whole diet industry, it, it profits from you hating your body. Um, you know, the, the cosmetics industry, the beauty industry, the clothing industry, everybody profits from you hating your body. And so this is where I start sounding like a conspiracy theorist, theorist, but it's all really true. Everything is set up to cause you to hate your body so that people can profit from it. Um, you know, there's a reason that, that this all exists. It's not just the way, you know, this didn't come together magically. It's not coincidental. Um, there is a really amazing book called Fearing the Black Body by Dr. Sabrina Strings. It's um, on my reading list. I can't wait to, to read it. Um, it's very, it's very, it's very good, but it's very dense. Um, you'll want to set aside some time for it. I'm about halfway through and it is just blowing my mind uh, uh-huh. because it talks about how from the 1400s on how these beauty standards um, have been constructed very deliberately. This is not, this is not something that started with Twiggy. <laughs> this is not something that started with the Gibson girl. Um, you know, this has been, it's been very deliberately constructed by powerful white men. Um, essentially, yeah. for hundreds of years, 
Um, and the reason that the reason that black bodies are particularly involved in this is because uh, because of the racist background of all of this. That that's how the, the book connects. Um, if you if you're not already familiar with that book, um, but I highly recommend reading it because it really demonstrates that none of this is accidental and none of this is coincidental. Um, there's a reason that white Western beauty standards, it, although they've gone, you know, into the impossible now with Photoshop, but there's a reason that those are the standards everybody is being pressured to meet. There's a reason that, there's a reason that, you know, your mom calls you and tells you she just, she's just worried about your health. Mm. There's a reason that wedding dresses are almost impossible to shop for if you're not like a size six. Um, there's a reason that we all think we just need to lose weight for our health. There's a reason that nobody on TV has is it ever, <laughs> you know, unlike you with the actual human body. Um, there, are the, you know, there are reasons that all this happened. And I just cannot emphasize enough that we have been made to feel terrible about our human bodies that we live in for profit. And so the next time you feel crappy about your body, think who is profiting from this? Who's making money? Who, who is gaining power or, or not losing power because I feel like crap about my cellulite? You know, who's going to make money off of that? And why should they be making money off of my misery? So if you take one thing from this podcast, take who's profiting from me feeling this way with you. Amen. I'm ferociously head nodding again. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I think that might be the title of this episode. Um, I am just like going and like, I'm spiraling in my head right now because I just finished, um, wait, did I finish it? No, maybe I didn't, but I'm almost done with it. But Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. And she talks in the beginning about the history very briefly, but this is what really sparked my interest in Sabrina Strings book. But, um, when she talks about the history of diet culture and really how it comes out of a racist model and how in colonization, they just, the white people wanted to look different than the indigenous people. So they made sure their diet was different. They wanted to look different and it all started there and probably before um, with white people wanting to look different than the brown people around them. And so now when we're like extra talking about race, I, I just, beg people to just look, people that are already interested in health at every size and fat activism and um, body liberation, just to remind them that this all exists within the racist paradigm and that, you know, uh, white supremacy and diet culture come from the same, you know, rotted seed of capitalism. And it's also interwoven. And um, I could totally go off on a tangent sounding like a conspiracy theorist about how, you know, when they make you feel like you need to lose weight for your health, they get all of your money for bullshit diets and supplements and all of these things that you don't need or weight loss surgeries that are actually worse for your health and on and on and on and how the medical industry profits from you the diet and wellness world in quotes profits from you for hating your body literally almost every facet of our culture can profit from you hating your body so i think what you just said like it's it's so powerful and so true to really step back and think who's profiting from me hating my body right now. 
Yeah, and, and the thing too is that changing our mindsets around this is a process too. Mm-hmm. Just like just like how love your body can become like yet another demand on us. Um, you know, un unhooking these fish hooks that have been stuck in us over time is also a process. And so this is also why I'm really careful not to ever set this expectation that you just shouldn't wear makeup or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that because we also all have to live in a world that, that is built this way. Right. Um, and so, so you're allowed to say, okay, I have, I'm putting this in, in air quotes as I speak, but bad skin. Um, and I am really sensitive about that. And I, I feel better if I am wearing makeup to cover that up. Uh, and all, and, and also I realized he was profiting from me feeling about, about, having acne or, or, you know, various other skin conditions. Um, but at the same time, I live in a world that treats people differently when they have skin that it does not conform to a particular standard. And so not only am I, you know, not only am I in this world, but I'm going to choose to take an action that gets me treated better because I need to live in this world and I need to, you know, I need to get that job. I need to, you know, I need to, to be able to participate in the, in the dating scene. I need to, I need to live my life. And so this is a trail for making. So just because you realize what the power dynamics are or what the profit dynamics are, doesn't right. mean that you're now somehow obligated to just rise above it. <laughs> you're allowed to live in the world, you know, just because you realize that, that Vogue is, you know, all completely photoshopped, um, doesn't mean that you can't read it. Um, but just being aware of those dynamics lets you make the trade-offs with, knowledge behind it. Yeah, I agree completely. And I, I personally, I think I just am very, uh, inclined to like burn it all down right, right out of the gates. <laughs> That's my approach. It's like, what? Fuck this. <laughs> like when I learned something like that. Um, but I also, I totally understand and agree and validate what you're saying about how that's just, you know, that's not going to be where everyone is. And I have been telling people this a lot lately that, um, like I used to beat people with proverbial sticks, you know, like I was vegan for a long time as a way to participate in my eating disorder. And I was like Mm. hitting, I was hitting people with the, like, you should be vegan because it's morally better. And like, why would you eat animals stick? And did, did I convert anyone to veganism that way? No, (laughs) no, (laughs) pretty sure I did not. So I, yeah, I too. And I, I do like, to bring awareness because when you, when you plant these seeds of like a knowledge in someone, it's like that, it's like that, um, phenomena of like, now that you know, you can't unknow, you can't turn away from it. And so not, not in like a, I don't mean it to be like in an insidious or mean way, but it's just, these things don't change. Like, it's not any new information. You know, I'm just, if I share it with someone, maybe it will bring into a, a bring a different lens them to look out onto the world when they go out to make decisions and i hope that you know everyone can make these choices for themselves out of hopefully a place of um acceptance neutrality love whatever it be but not from a place of disdain and the more that we have these seeds and little pockets of knowledge and awareness the the closer we can be onto a path to hopefully one day maybe unravel all of this that this weird paradigm that we all live in 
Yeah. And well, and that comes exactly back to where we started with changing the world, because if one person reads the, the blog post that I wrote that has that video that we talked about uh, with the, the sort of transformation sequence. And if one person reads that blog post and watches that video and comes away with, oh, this, you know, a lot of these standards that have been set aren't even, are literally impossible to meet. That's, that's, that has changed the world. If one person goes about their day with, a, you know, the ability to see their body as it actually exists because they have seen compassionately taken photos of it. Um, I like to call it compassionate honesty. Um, that has changed the world. If one person goes about their life being unashamed of their body, that is changing the world. Like, and, and that's, you know, it's all activism. It's all changing. And, you know, you don't have to be an activist to do activism. If you can just live in the world and not, if you can avoid imposing those beauty standards on other people or teaching them to your kids, that's huge. That's a huge piece of activism, even if you're not like a capital A activist. You know, you have changed the world. If you, if you can uh, opt your kid out of their school's uh, weight program, like the, the weighing at school. Oh my God, do they still do that? It, yeah, apparently. I, I don't have kids myself, but, you know, I know people right. parents. And apparently it's an increasingly popular thing. Um, if you can, if <sighs> you can um, protect your child from, from your parents passing on that culture values to your child, you know, to their grandchildren, you've changed the world. If you can avoid doing it yourself, you change the world. If you can not look at somebody on the street and lean over to your friend and say, why is she wearing that? She can't pull that off. If you can not say that once, you've changed the world. <laughs> you know, it's, it, there are so many small things we can all do. And so I'd love for, for anybody who listens to this to take that away as well. That we don't have the power of, say, I don't know, Calvin Klein or the head of Weight Watchers. Um, but we all have a certain amount of power that we can use. Yeah, we all have a, a circle of influence that whether, you know, and everyone's individual influence looks different, but my, like my sphere of influence, for example, one realm is the podcast and, uh, everyone has something like that, whether, like you said, whether it be their parents or their colleagues or, you know, their children, everyone has a sphere of influence and that's where individual activism, um, as you defined begins, that's, you know, and with self-responsibility too. And it just goes outward from there, but everyone has a sphere of influence, everyone. Yeah, for sure. I, um, man, I was going to say one more thing about what you just said. Oh, I was going to say that you're very, uh, I really like your generosity with looking at, uh, people changing the world. Like when I was listening to all those things you list off about people changing the world, I was feeling so excited and positive. So I'm going to keep that going. Like anytime I think, you know, like for, for instance, I can confirm that you changed the world with, cause I definitely with watching that video, I was like, holy shit. Like, I just can't get over it. I just, right. I, I didn't know, like I knew, but I didn't know it was like that. Like I thought it was like, oh yeah, like they edit people, but you know, the way that they changed her body, it just wasn't even the same person. I can't, I'm, I'll stop talking about it, but anyway, it was just, I'm going <laughs> to link to it so everyone else can see how bizarre. Um, but, or, and with all of that, where, and I'll link to all of it, of course, but, um, 
where can people find you or what do you want to say about your work or um, how people can work with you or um, buy your stock photos, which I want to say, by the way, one of them um, is on my website. It's on my homepage and I love it. And I was so happy to have found it um, because I wanted to represent bodies that looked different than mine. And so I was actually super duper excited to find your stock photography, because like you said, it was like really challenging for me to find stock photography of someone doing yoga specifically that wasn't a thin white woman so yeah yeah it, it's been such a cool <laughs> i know i keep seeing such a cool thing but that's because you know five <laughs> years into this i'm still really enthusiastic about all this yeah um uh erica when erica and i were discussing the podcast uh erica was like oh by the way do you happen to know a source of diverse stock photos i said i have a site for you <laughs> um yeah the um the stock photos and all the other branches of my tree are at bodyliberationphotos.com. Uh, the stock photos specifically, if you want to go straight to them, although you can find them through the main site, they're at bodyliberationstock.com. And uh, I'm on Instagram at bodyliberation with Lindley. And on Facebook at bodyliberation with Lindley Ashline. And if you look for me anywhere else on YouTube or on Twitter, if you just look for me at Lindley Ashline, I'll come up. Awesome. That's primarily where I hang out. I'm really excited to link to your stock photos because they're also like very, I'm not that I've ever bought stock photos before actually. So I can't compare the price, but I mean, it was super doable for me to buy like four. So <laughs> like, I really appreciate the accessibility and um, the just, you had, I was just like, I went down a rabbit hole of like food and yoga and like outside and sunset. And I was like searching all these different things and you just have such a wide range of pictures. And so it was like super helpful for me, like creating my website. So I can't oh, agree with other great. people. Yeah. I love, I love hearing that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I loved them. Well, thank you so much for the work that you do and for um, changing the world and for thank talking so with for me tonight. You. Yeah. 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 It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. And, uh, uh, we'll keep in touch. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Thanks, Bye Lindley. Thank you. Bye.